Welcome to Animal Chat, an Alberta SPCA podcast where we talk about animal welfare, animal behavior, and animal protection. I'm Dan Kobe, and thank you for listening and for being passionate about animal welfare and compassionate for the animals in our province. This week, we're thrilled to welcome the president of the Alberta SPCA, Dr. Dwayne Landles, to discuss the evolution of animal welfare. Dwayne is a retired veterinarian who first started practicing in 1975. Dwayne, welcome and thank you for joining us. Dan, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here and discuss this uh, interesting topic. Dwayne, you're our president and your background, obviously, as we noted, is in veterinary medicine, but you do have a lot of experience working with animal welfare groups and organizations outside of Alberta. Dan, I was very fortunate uh, to have a career beyond veterinary practice. I enjoyed 25 years in rural veterinary practice. Beyond that, I worked with a number of uh, veterinary organizations locally, provincially, nationally, and internationally. And, and interestingly to this discussion, the uh, World Veterinary Association and the World Organization for Animal Health, the OIE, uh, and through that had a chance to engage in a number of international symposia regarding animal welfare, specifically regarding animals as it relates to trade in animals and products of animal origin. So the short uh, answer is that you are uh, the perfect person to be talking about animal welfare with us today. You are well versed on it. And so thank you so much for taking time uh, during the busy summertime, as I'm sure it is for you, because you also have animals on your, on your property, um, horses, dogs. We, we have horses and a number of horses and a, a dog right now. Okay. I used to raise cattle and of course we've had cats and all sorts of different bird species over the years. Uh, in our retirement years, we're pretty much sticking to horses. Duane, we've seen a lot of change in the 60 plus years since the Alberta SPCA was formed to investigate animal welfare complaints in this province. And there's so much to discuss. And as a vet, you've seen a lot in your practice as far as owners' expectations for the care of their animals. How have you seen that adjust over the 45 years since you first started practicing? Well, there certainly has been a lot of change. And interestingly, I have a, an opportunity to speak with a number of uh, pre-vet animal health students at the university and colleges. And I always say to them, how, explain to them how much things have changed in 45 years since I graduated from veterinary school. It is an interesting change. And I think the biggest change is more emphasis on what we call the human-animal bond. Uh, and that's people starting to identify animals as individuals and, and, and express their care to specific animals as, as opposed to animals in general. And the example I, I, I oftentimes refer to is a story, not a story, but a conference I was at on critical care medicine. And the speaker uh, advised us that one of the first things you need to do when somebody comes into an emergency situation to your clinic, if they got a cat that was, for example, hit by a car and seriously injured, uh, that you need to have a serious conversation with the people to say, do you want a cat or do you want this cat? And of course, the, the question being, is this cat a personality that you're willing to invest whatever amount of money it would take to repair its injuries? Or in fact, in years gone by, people would opt out for euthanasia and get a new cat and replace it. And I don't think we see that today. I think people have uh, pets, whether they're dogs, cats, horses, and a lot of the other animals that people care for, uh, they look at them as, in, as individuals and having individual value, not just as that specific species. So I think that's a big change, and that certainly drives a lot of how people feel about animal welfare circumstances. They are way more emotionally invested in the animals under their care than they were 40 years ago. 
Yeah, emotionally invested and personally invested, I think. Now, I think it's important that we should probably explain at this point the difference between animal welfare organizations and animal rights groups. Um, the Alberta SPCA is an animal welfare agency. How is that different than animal rights groups as we look at the evolution of animal welfare? Well, I think it's fair to say that in every population of human beings, there's a, there's a spectrum of, of values that people place on animals and their opinions of how animals need to be kept. And that goes through the range from people who are what we call dominionists, who people believe that is a God-given right, God gave man dominion over animals and humans can do whatever they want, through a whole spectrum of people up to what we call abolitionists, who are people who believe that humans have no right to interfere with animals in, in any way. And there's, of course, all stages in between. Animal welfare, the definition of animal welfare fits kind of in the, in the middle, where it recognizes that, uh, you know, people have animals, people utilize animals, but at the same time, they have a, a moral and ethical obligation to ensure those animals uh, are well cared for and uh, live in a, a world of appropriate uh, animal welfare. And we use the expression, a life worth living and a good death. And we believe that animals deserve that respect at all stages of their life. And the Alberta SPCA fits into that group in the middle of the animal welfare. So we recognize, we recognize all different people's values, but we enforce the Animal Protection Act, which is the probably the common commonality of, of the opinion in the society that we live in today. And uh, the Alberta SPCA's role is to ensure that people maintain animal welfare at a level that's acceptable to the, I'm going to say, the average consensus of our society. When we look at that, some people say we shouldn't raise animals for food production or fiber production uh, at all versus those who believe that it's our right to be able to, to do that. It's such a diverse range of opinions, it, it is difficult to find, I'll say, kind of that spot in the middle where you're sort of attending to everything that needs to be tended to in a manner that sort of uh, pleases or appeases everybody. Well, I, I don't believe there is a spot that pleases or appeases everyone. I think what we have to recognize is that people have the right to their judgments, they have a right to their, their moral opinions, uh, and they have uh, the right to champion that. And provided that we don't go so low in our standard of care that we are being cruel or inhumane to animals, uh, then I think that we can respect people's rights to own animals and, and, uh, and manage animals for the purpose. The big challenge, I believe, in society is, there's, is, or in the welfare world, is whether or not animals can be raised for meat production and ultimately killed so that we have something to eat. And of course, there's many people that believe killing an animal it, for food is inhumane. Uh, the reality is killing the animal for food is not inhumane if it's killed humanely, but there's the personal moral question of whether or not a human being should eat the flesh of another animal. And that's up to people to decide for themselves. But we live in a world where animal protein is, is an integral part of our of diets of most societies. And uh, because animals are raised for food production, the Alberta SPCA believes our role is to ensure w when animals are kept, for whatever reason, they're kept in as, as humane a manner as possible, and that we constantly improve the quality of care that these animals receive. And you had mentioned earlier uh, that 
this organization, the Alberta SPCA, um, we sort of follow where where society's going, if you will. As society has uh, changing expectations, um, we, we recognize uh, that that changes in legislation, and and perhaps then we may adjust as well. Um, the Animal Protection Act, though, is what we enforce, uh, and so the peace officers that we have will investigate neglect and abuse um, based on the Animal Protection Act. Um, that The Animal Protection Act largely covers what are now known as the five freedoms of animal welfare, um, freedom from hunger and thirst, freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury or disease, freedom to express normal behavior, freedom from fear and distress. But as I mentioned, it's where society sort of evolves, we sort of evolve with it. Absolutely. The Animal Protection Act is legislation, and generally speaking, legislation is the minimal standard acceptable by the society that drafted that legislation. So our absolute role is to ensure if someone cannot manage their animals to a level that's demanded by the by the five freedoms and the legislation uh, that there is an opportunity to uh, uh, potentially prosecute those individuals if they won't come into compliance with the legislation. I believe our peace officers go far beyond that, though in coaching people and helping people to do much better than the minimum. I mean, we certainly don't want to uh, have anyone have the impression that all we're looking for is minimal welfare standards. Minimal welfare standards are where law enforcement can come into play and we can all continually improve our standards of care and we do continue to improve that and and people do that by accumulating knowledge and by getting experience uh, from people who have knowledge and uh, and they can do a better job. An example of the changing standards in animal welfare is uh, I just saw a note today that the European Union is totally manning all cages for animals uh, that's poultry, swine, rabbits, anything, any animal that's normally kept in cages for food production purposes, uh, by uh, 2027, they will not be allowed at all. Uh, not a matter of better cages, more space, more enhancement. They'll have to be group housed, uh, not be able to keep in individual cages. So that's a significant change. I'm confident that we'll see animal agriculture in North America follow that pattern because uh, it, it tends to be that Europe is a little bit ahead of us on most standards and, and we keep an eye to what's happening in the world and, and our society continues to move forward. The big question is will we get to a society that says no we're never going to eat meat no matter how you raise them we can't raise them humanely so we're never going to have animals for meat then the question would be what will become of all those animal species. There is no, uh, no a few people may want to have some chickens or cows for pets might be an, an opportunity for those animals but generally speaking those animals were developed and evolved as food producing animals and so they're kept for that purpose and our again emphasize that our job is to ensure that people do keep them do so in a manner that's compassionate and empathetic with the animal uh, and acceptable to the majority of the society that we live in. When uh, we obviously, as we started this conversation, we were talking about you know bringing cats and dogs uh, to a vet and and whether you know you want that cat or a cat. Um, I, I think part of the area where we've seen a lot of the uh, the biggest evolution um, in animal welfare would be um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when when you go into say rural Alberta, um, there does seem to be an understanding with those who are producing animals for for food and fiber 
that the animals do live a, uh, a healthy, um, productive life. Is, is that what you've seen in your time? Oh, I, I agree, absolutely. Uh, and again, go back to my 45 years since I graduated as a veterinarian, uh, the standard of care for livestock uh, in our province and around the world has increased multiple fold. It's much, much better than it was before. I don't think that was because people before were intentionally cruel or bad through animals. They didn't have the technology, they didn't have the equipment, they didn't have the techniques, they didn't have the knowledge. And as we get more knowledge and we get more equipment and we get more refined, we can always provide a better life for the animals that are, are under our care. And an expectation from the public, those who would buy the products, that the animals do be treated humanely. Well, I, I believe that public demand for improved welfare causes people to be cognizant of it. But from my experience, the livestock producers that I've worked with care about their animals and they care about the welfare. It's not simply another widget that they have that's going to make a profit. Uh, if a person raises cattle, they like cattle. If a person's raising pigs, they like pigs and they want to take good care of them. They want to see them do well. They know that the end of their life is going to be when they're uh, killed for, for production of meat. But when they're alive, they treat them with respect and empathy. And I, and I, think, that's, uh, I think that's more so now than it was before, but I, I, I've never really seen an animal owner that doesn't really care for their animals. And that's not to say that everyone treats their animals to the same level, both good or bad. Um, our experience has been that uh, most people are, are, do a good job, but the reason our organization exists is because there needs to be reminders to, to some who, who don't want to meet that minimum standard that we talked about. Yes, Dan, I mean, the, we always talk about the outliers, the individuals who don't meet the normal standard, and, and absolutely why the Alberta SPCA exists is to be able to help manage those circumstances. Now, we know there's some people that are just careless uh, and don't do a good job. We know that some people aren't uh, knowledgeable enough and don't do a good job, but are willing to take the knowledge when it's offered to them and improve the care. And we certainly know that many of the circumstances that the Alberta SPCA gets called into where people are, uh, there's a complaint that the animals are not being cared for properly, that there's also, and I'm going to say a welfare challenge with the individual people involved. And this might be people of advanced age, people with some infirmity, uh, some uh, perhaps mental disability that does not allow them to take care of their animals properly. And I believe that's a perfect role for our organization to step in and remove the animals from distress and at the same time ensure that the people get the help that they need. This is not a circumstance where somebody's acting in a criminal manner. They're acting in a manner that probably is beyond their own personal control. As we talk about this, the, uh, the thought that is also coming to my head is that, uh, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, the internet has uh, certainly not just evolved, but exploded. Um, social media um, has uh, added to that. How much of a role do you think that plays in the evolution of animal welfare and just the ability to share information um, not just with the people who live across the street from you or, or uh, attend the same church or go to the same school, but um, who have similar thoughts somewhere else, either in North America or the world? Well, in every aspect of our life, uh, knowledge is everything. Uh, and the internet has allowed knowledge to accumulate more rapidly and be spread more quickly. And so that has to benefit uh, society as a whole in all aspects, including including animal welfare. And so generally, I believe the, the you know the internet is is a, is an incredible tool to to improve how we manage our animals because people can can learn. Uh, 
there is, of course, challenges with internet, specifically through various social media where individuals will uh, emphasize their own opinions and chastise other people for having their own views. And I think a person has to be very careful, uh, as with any knowledge, to make sure that you uh, uh, sort out the ac accurate and valid information from that, which is maybe harmful and damaging to someone that really doesn't have an accurate base. So as we sort of uh, wind up our conversation, um, where do you think, and I'm asking as someone who has a lot of knowledge about animal welfare, knowing that you, you don't have a crystal ball, but where do you think animal welfare is going in the 20, 30, 50 years after you and I are no longer in a position to, uh, to, to speak to it? Um, where, where will it end up? Well, I... I believe in continuous quality improvement. Uh, I think no matter how well we're doing in managing the animals we have, we can always do better. And as we learn more about animal behavior, we learn more about animals' sentience and how they perceive the environments they live in, we can do a better job to, uh, to accommodate that. So I think we will see uh, continual changes in how we manage the animals, and not just food producing animals, but the companion animals that we have that live in our houses as well. We will, we will see changes. Uh, for the better. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from society changing. I think our society is becoming more inclusive of not just in terms of animal populations but in other human populations, more understanding, more empathetic. I, I believe that we need to become more empathetic and, as a society and, and, and we will with the animals that we care for that are under our, our responsibility as well. And, and so I, I think we'll continually make improvements as, as time goes on. and. Uh, uh, I'm happy for as long as I can to be part of that. Well, it's certainly been fascinating to watch animal welfare evolve over the uh, even the last 20 years. Um, you know, I know for even just people I know who had, say, you know, uh, working dogs or, or barn cats and, and how those people have evolved to, to include, even if they're an outdoor animal, uh, into their families and, and, and the, uh, the weight that they put on them. So thank you, Duane, so much for coming in and, and having this conversation with us today. I know it will spark a lot of thoughts and, and maybe some debate, but um, uh, animal welfare uh, is an important issue and one that we are always happy to discuss here at the Alberta SPCA. Dan, thank you for the opportunity. I, I agree that many, most people, all people have a passion for animal welfare. Uh, they may view it differently, but I think it's great for us to uh, have the chance to talk and try and understand uh, each other's positions. And again, all of us ultimately want things to be better for the animals. Thank you, Duane.